Our second lesson is from Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. The man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, they were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mother and children, and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, we pray, and be in every word of the sermon. Let everything that is human fall away. And come into our hearts and minds that we may hear you and what you would say to us this day. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a passage from Scripture that I feel like can easily go from that old saying. It can go from preaching to meddling real quick, right? This is a passage that steps on toes. I know it stepped on mine. To hear that those who are rich have a hard time getting to eternal life is disconcerting because I am a person who has a lot, especially compared to the rest of the world. We are all people who have a lot, a lot of possessions, a lot of wealth. But still yet, this man who is rich comes to Jesus with questions. And I imagine, like a friend of mine once told me, she said to me, do you know what people who are wealthy know that no one else knows? They know that being wealthy won't make you happy and it won't prevent pain from coming into your life. 
I imagine the rich man knew that too because he comes to Jesus and he wants to know what he has to do to gain eternal life. Now, I don't meditate on that question a whole lot, in part because I am sure of my relationship with Jesus Christ. But there is another question that I ask a lot that I think is the same kind of question as what must I do to inherit eternal life. And that question is, what must I do to be enough? What do I need to do to be enough? To stand before God. What must I do to be enough to follow Jesus Christ? It's the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life is the same question as what must I do to be enough for Jesus? And it's a question we all share. And so when this rich man comes, that's the question he has for Jesus. And it's interesting that he asked this question. This question was asked a lot at that time. It was asked to different sects of Judaism. You might ask this question of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You might ask it of the Essenes or other philosophical groups. What must you do to be enough? And a lot of those sects of Judaism, Pharisees in particular, would give you a whole list of laws you had to follow in addition to the Ten Commandments. After all, the Ten Commandments were given to all of Israel. Surely there have to be some other laws that they have to follow. But when this man comes to Jesus, what he hears is that he just needs to follow those commandments given by God. And Jesus says to the man, you know what they are. And he lists commandments five through nine. Honor your father and mother. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't lie. And the man, I imagine, is feeling pretty good about himself, which I would be too. I would feel pretty good about myself if those were the ones Jesus is going to name to me. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Because what he then says is, go and sell all your possessions, and come and follow me. And we're told the man walks away sad because he's got a lot of stuff. Now, it may seem that Jesus is just making a statement about possessions or wealth, but I think what this passage is really about is one of the commandments that Jesus doesn't reference specifically, but it's the first commandment, the one from which all others flow, you shall have no other God before me. Jesus is saying to this man, your possessions and your wealth are your God. Get rid of it and come and follow me. This is the same Jesus who, when he sent his disciples out two by two, told them, don't take anything with you. Don't take a bag. Don't take money. Don't take a change of clothes. Just come and go and share the good news with people. And it's the same thing he tells this man. Get rid of your wealth and your possessions because they're actually owning you. And come and follow me. This is about the first commandment to not have any idols. You know what idols are. Idols are those things that we think if we have enough of them, we'll be okay. For me... It's always about knowledge and education. If I know enough, I'll be okay. If I read the next book, take the next degree program, I'm going to be fine. I'll be enough if I'm just smart enough. For some people, it's wealth. 
If I have more, if I have the next house, if I have the next car, if I have so much money in the bank, then I'll be enough. I'll be okay. I can stand before God. Idols are those things that make us feel like we're enough. And the message over and over from the whole of the biblical witness is that we are to find our worth only in God. Jesus Christ reminds us that who we are is we are people who sin, and yet Jesus will redeem all of that and make us beloved children of God. We are enough, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. That's what makes us right with God. But we always look for things to worship, things to idolize, don't we? The author David Zoll says that that feeling of religiosity is much easier to change than to extinguish. Maybe if I just exercise enough or if I'm successful enough, I'll be okay instead of realizing that it is who we are as beloved children of God that gives us our worth. This is the season of Lent. It began with Ash Wednesday. It is 40 days, excluding Sundays, 40 days for us to look closely at ourselves and turn from the sin that so easily clings to us. It's a time of reflection and discernment. And my question to you this first Sunday in Lent is what are the things that you hold on to that you think make you enough? And can you let go of them and come again to God and follow in the way of Jesus Christ? Because that's what makes you enough. There are two parts of this passage that I love. The first is that when Jesus looks at the rich man, he knows him. And the scripture says he loves him. He loves him. Even when we cling too closely to our wealth and possessions, Jesus loves us. Even when we hold too tightly to things that we think will make us all right, make no mistake, Jesus loves us. And the other thing is that Jesus says about this ruler that with God it is possible to let go of those idols, to turn again from our sin, to turn to God. And Jesus reminds us that actual valuable life comes from turning again to God Jesus says, all those who come to me, they get community and family and love. If you want a life of purpose and meaning, it is not found in things. It is found only in God. And so we're encouraged this Lenten season to look closely at our lives, at those things that we are idolizing, and to turn again to God. Many years ago, I was on staff at a large church in Atlanta in Buckhead, and we were looking for a new pastor. And I got to sit in on one of the interviews where the search committee would interview the pastoral candidate. And one of the men said, listen, I've had a lot of privilege in my life, and I've got a lot of wealth. And I'm not going to apologize for it because I've worked hard my whole life. I've worked hard to get where I am. But what I am interested in 
is finding someone who can help me glorify God with all that I have and all that I am. That's the right use of wealth and possessions, to use them to glorify God with all that we have and all that we are. And that's the way of abundant life. Blessings on you, this Lenten journey, as you look closely at yourself. And as you ask yourself, what are the things that make me think I am enough? And turn again to the Lord God, who makes us enough through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen.